What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome to the first ever episode of It Is What It Is, 8bit.net's newest podcast. Each and every week, we will bring you the news you need to know about from entertainment, pop culture, politics, international and local. We've got it all for you. Our aim here is not to analyse and inform, but to bring you our thoughts and opinions and feelings on the news and the world as it is at the moment. I will be your host on this journey. My name is Jack Cruz. You might know me from the Explosion Network, host of Grandstand Gurus and the occasional Pleasure Explosion. Uh, each week, I will be joined by a rotating guest from the stable of talent over over at 8bit.net and the wider interwebs. However, my first co-host, and there could be only one, you also know him from the Explosion Network, host of Putting In Work, author of The Spy and the Maven, my dear friend, my partner in crime, the yin to my yang, it's John O'Peck. What's going on, Jack? It's good to be here. It is good to be here. I was just going to say, this is the first time I've ever podcasted in the same room with someone. And no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> no, I have podcasted with you before. We did the uh, the extra sode for Pleasure Explosion um, when we were overseas and for we did Kind the, of Funny the Life. The extra life one as well. Oh, and the extra life one. Well, that yeah. was. Well, you can disregard all that as a complete yeah. lie. Uh, first sober <laughs> episode that I've okay. done in the same room. But no, how exciting is how exciting is this? Where we're uh, recording a brand new show mm. as part of Eight Bit dot net. Um, Obviously, rotating cast, like I said. I don't think there'll be a more regular host than yourself for the show. It's exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. And this is kind of an idea that came from spending a lot of time together and having kind of, I guess, a, like you said, yin and yang mm. approach to life. And you're the, you're always trying to corrupt me and I'm <laughs> trying to bring you back. But I guess you, you thought it would, it would work really well as a podcast format and and having the opportunity to join 8-Bit means that it's not just me, but a whole lot of people that can bring in that dynamic too. Yeah, absolutely. And that, like I said, that is the idea behind this podcast is we're not, we're not experts. We're not news analysts or anything like that. We're just personalities. And this is a, a going to be a personality driven show. It's mm. going to be about the people and I guess how the news affects us, um, how it makes us feel hot takes. We're welcome. No doubt we'll have NATO on the show at some point and, uh, and he'll bring the hottest of hot takes um, but yeah, we just want to entertain and I guess, um, try and bring a little bit of knowledge and fun into your lives. And, um, every week we're going to bring you, I guess the biggest stories. We're not going to go through every little nitty gritty thing, but we're going to bring you the biggest stories of the week across all different topics, all different ranges. Um, we want this to be an upbeat show. We mm. want this to be entertaining. We want people to have fun with it. But from time to time, we're going to have to, because of the world as we know it and the way things are, we're going to have to talk about horrible things that happen. There's going to be you know, shootings and terrorist attacks and horrible things are going to happen that, you know, we're going to have to discuss. A whole lot of Trump. A whole lot of Trump. Which I, I <laughs> a weekly like, segment just I, about. I feel like at some point, yeah, we're going to have to have a, we're just going to have to make Trump a weekly segment because there's just about a, a story every week. But, um, but yeah, well, like we said, we, we don't want to patronize the, the audience. We don't want to, um, I don't know what what the term is, but we don't want to treat you like idiots. If there is something serious that needs to be spoken about, we will discuss it. Um, but like I said, we do want to keep this a bit of an entertaining show, as it would be. Uh, now, for our first ever episode, as it is the first episode, and we are at the start of the year, it is currently January 2018, I thought it would be worth going back and having a look at, I guess, the biggest news stories, or I guess some of the most um, important 
things that have happened across a sort of a variety of topics. We're going to talk some politics. We're going to talk a little bit about entertainment. There'll be some gaming stuff in there. Um, we're going to go over, I guess, the biggest stories we felt or the ones that had the most impact on us for the uh, for the year of 2017. So strap yourselves in, guys and gals, and we're going to get straight into it before we do jump in mm-hmm. because we are there is we are going to cover five main topics today, five main stories from 2017. I do want to make um, an acknowledgement of... Um, I guess some of the other stories that we're not going to specifically talk about today and some of the bigger things that happened uh, in the world as well as locally. Um, obviously, we had the uh, the Las Vegas uh, massacre, the shooting, the worst massacre in, um, in, in history. I'm not sure how much more we can really add to that conversation, um, but I just did want to acknowledge it as it was a, a, quite a significant news piece from the year. Uh, obviously, we had the gay marriage plebiscite, which is another great news story, a good news story, which... Oftentimes, we're probably not going to find a lot of them, but I'm going to try and include as many as possible in this show. Um, that was a great news story from, from 2017. Um, we had some tragic deaths in the world of entertainment. Obviously, um, the death of Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington, two really influential artists, as, as well as a, a myriad of other um, you know, celebrities who, who, weren't, you know, who, who passed and, and important people um, for the world. Mm. Um, probably not as many as... The- 2016. No, 2016 definitely. Yeah. yeah, it was not quite as bad as 2016. Um, obviously, we had some, you know, the terrorist attacks in in London and Europe, um, which were horrible, and um, and similar, a couple of domestic ones here in Australia in Melbourne. But um, I didn't want to delve too much on them, but I did think it was important just to acknowledge those stories and and sort of say we're not just skipping them because they are quite big, important stories. It's just we we selected a, a, a five t- that we would talk about today as as we felt were I guess the the most. Um, uh, not the most important, but they, they definitely had an impact on us yeah. for, for 2017. So, I guess we could start nowhere else mm-hmm. with the big orange guy at the top. Uh, obviously, everyone knows who Donald Trump is, the president, current president of the United States. It's still, I still find it uh, a bizarre thing to talk about, Jono, is that this man yeah. was elected, one, and even ran in the first place. I, I, I find it just absolutely bizarre that still today, when I when I open Twitter and I see he's tweeted out some outlandish, crazy statement, I, I still don't understand how this man is the president of the United States. Yeah, it does beg belief. It's beggar belief. Beggar belief. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's as bizarre today as it was two years ago. Yeah. To think about. And like... Pretty much gone exactly as expected, I think. Most definitely. For a lot of people. Most definitely. I think, um, yeah, I think it, I mean, I, I when in, when he got elected, I sort of held out this modicum of hope that he played the, he played everyone as a fool mm. in the lead up and he was actually going to get in. He was going to use the fear and the bigotry and all that crap to get in and then he would do good. I sort of had this hope, but um he hasn't so much done that. It's been um, it's been smooth sailing, not oh, not smooth sailing. Sorry, but it's been pretty much he's stayed the course. Yeah, I guess would be the, the easiest way to he put it. He hasn't been very presidential. No, that's that's a that is a fantastic way to put it, John. <laughs> he's definitely not been very presidential. Um, but I guess the specific thing that we could talk about, and I guess we could even just make this a general Trump discussion, as we generally probably will from week to week, but. Um, something happened on the 27th of January, 2017, that I guess uh, set the tone mm. for what 2017 would bring as far as the Trump administration and I guess was quite symbolic of what 
I guess the next three years now are going to be like with this man uh, in charge of the the country. And he passed. So what happened on um, the 27th of January was he um, he wrote Executive Order 13769. Yeah. Um, which basically was, as everyone knows it, as the Trump travel ban, which uh, basically he, he signed an order that meant that um, it suspended the, uh, obviously, the, the uh, refugees coming into America. Um, it excluded several countries from being able to uh, come in, to travel into the country. Um, those countries were Iran, Iraq, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and Syria. Uh, and it was... Wild, widely condemned by pretty much everyone in the world, uh, other than a select few who, for some reason, thought it was a, a good idea. Um, but like I said, it set the tone really for the year. He sort of went right. He went sort of. It was one of the first things that he sort of did. He mm. went, you know, whiz bang, jump straight into it. So, what what were your initial reactions, Jono, when when this went down, when he signed the order, and and it sort of threw the world into chaos as far as people trying to travel and escape war torn countries. It wasn't that surprising simply because it was something that he'd kind of promised to do. It was one of his election campaign pledges that mm. he was going to... I think the words he used was ban Muslims or yeah. something along those lines. And that's the way it was described um, in the media and, mm. and sort of by everyone is that it's a Muslim ban because yeah. those those several countries were, you know, predominantly um, Muslim-based religion. Yeah. But, I mean, the fact that it's been blocked time after time and... I think the one, the version they're up to now is an incredibly watered down version of what he originally was trying to do. Yeah. Kind of, kind of shows that what he was trying to do, first of all, wasn't legal or constitutional, or constitutional, um, but also not what it didn't represent what America wanted for the majority. I think no, of course not. Um, and it's a hard one because. He's and like you said, it's what he promised, and he he pledged to protect the U.S. borders and protect the U.S. before. And there's the whole thing with the wall and all of that. So it was really his mm. uh, mo from the start was stopping the terrorists, stopping the people taking our jobs, look after number one first. And um, like you said, it was blocked fantastically. Um, you know, executive was blocked by the Supreme Court. He yeah. went back again. And um, brought in a, I guess, a revised one uh, on the 6th of March, um, which changed a few things. Basically, um, it still had the ban from citizens of Iran, Syria, Somalia, Yemen, Libya, and Sudan, and Iraq. Um, Oh, no, sorry, Iraq was excluded. So they removed Iraq, and then um, the refugee program obviously was still... was still... um, suspended for, for 120 yeah. days um, but yeah it, it goes on and on like that through the year and just recently it was um, it's it's in effect in, in some like you said watered down fashion until the lawyers and, and things opposing it can get together and put a case together for the Supreme Court but I mean I just thought it was a, a really sad thing that happened mm. like when it when it initially happened I just thought that sort of hope like I said earlier that I had that he he'd just been playing everyone as a fool and he was going to come in and just be another president who would do yeah I remember yeah I definitely remember there was a, a sense that okay maybe he will now sit back and let his advisors advise and he'll let them kind of steer him instead of everyone just following him around with a blindfold on which seems to be what's happened with the way that the media has been kind of lied to and 
and just steered against anything that makes him look less than what he's trying to appear as in yeah. terms of like lying about crowd sizes you know alternative facts and all this kind of crap fake news like yeah it's mm. um it's kind of hilarious how far they'll go to protect his sense of importance it's quite bizarre the whole thing to me is just still absolutely bizarre in that he's one that he's president but just the way that he conducts himself I, I still like obviously this week we've had the the tweets with the uh, my my nuclear button's bigger than yours kind of thing <laughs> pissing contest that he's had with um, King Jong-un for the last year it's I, I had a conversation with someone a few weeks ago about Trump and we were talking about he this person was making the case that oh he's not that bad and Hillary would have been worse and um, you know well Hillary was just the same old same old candidate and you know it's good we've got you know we've got someone who's actually going to change things and mix it up and this that and the other and, and and which is not wrong obviously Trump is different to any president that America has ever had mm-hmm. he is doing things differently to any president he has brought a change in. Um, societal behaviours in the way people talk to each other, the way people treat each other. It hasn't been for the positive, in my opinion. No. But the the difference, I think, between... And, and I've always been of the opinion that, yes, America needs something different. The US needs someone to come in and shake it up. It just... It needs to break from the status quo of the politicians in the pocket of the, you know corporations and this this that and the other and and hillary would have been that no doubt about it she would have been that but why did it have to be this guy (laughs) like like why why did why did the guy who was going to bring the change have to be trump like why did it have to be this guy because he's not a good guy he's a bad guy he's he's a baddie (laughs) like he if if we're gi joe he's cobra like he's no good and he's done no good yeah, and I think one of the, un- I don't know if you would say it was an unintended consequence of the travel ban, but what it seemed to do was make it okay for people to discriminate against people that they thought were now easy targets. Yeah. And even even just as it was announced, it immediately made uh, it difficult for people to travel to the US. And I remember there being issues for like GDC, the game development mm. conference, there were people who couldn't attend, like game devs who couldn't attend because they were either from one of the countries on the questionable list or they were born there originally. Even, even I remember even an Australian citizen was unable to yeah. travel as freely as they should be able yep. to just because you know they were born in Bangladesh or something like that. And that's just ridiculous. Like I remember even Tom Taylor, who's I think a Melbourne-based comic book writer yeah i can't remember if he's the artist or the writer sorry tom taylor but he's written for marvel and dc he's kind of a pretty big name but he bailed on a con a convention that he was going to go to because he'd been warned like you need to delete your twitter before you go you need to be prepared for interrogations and them going through your phone data and he's like oh i'm not doing that yeah and he's a white guy yeah, like he's exactly. A, he's, he's, whose name is Tom Taylor. He's yeah. not like Mohammed or anything like that. And th- if that's what the kind of thing that he has to face, then you can only imagine how difficult it would be for anyone with any kind of ethnicity that they would deem to be uh, problematic, I suppose. Mm, mm. I've said... Yeah, it's such a, it's just such a sad sort of state of the world that's in at the moment. I've said this a few times in, in, in numerous sort of conversations and that, but I felt like... 
and it's the same with everything, right? With any organization, whether it's a country, a business or whatever, the culture and the the vibe and whatever you want to call it, it all flows down from the top. Yeah. So if you work for a business and the owner or the CEO or the general manager or whatever he is, is a, or she, he or she, well, whoever they are, are a good, positive person, upbeat, friendly, that generally filters down through the company and people, mm. and it creates a good culture. And if they're not, if they're the opposite of that, if they're, you know, unorganized, if they're snarky, if they treat people the wrong way, that filters down as well. And people will continue to do that all the way down the line. And it's the same with politics and with people in charge of countries and that I really felt that for the past eight years previously, I felt like the world was turning in a way that was positive. People were being, you know, obviously we've had the, um, you know, the rise of quite sort of significantly over the last few years of political correctness and this kind of thing, which I don't think is a bad thing all the time. Sometimes I think it can go a little bit overboard and people just being offended for the sake of being offended. But I think generally it's a great thing is that we're being more aware of how we treat people and how we say things. And, you know, hey, you know that thing you used to say in high school, that word? That's not actually okay to say that anymore. Mm. You know, it's 2017 now. You can't say that. And and I really think that's a great thing. And I felt like the world was really turning and slowly turning, you know, in a, in a nice positive shift. And I really felt that that stemmed down from having someone at the top who, while, yes, he was another just politician who made no significant change, who policies weren't great, this, that, and the other, you can p- pick apart his presidency all you like. He was a good dude. Obama was a good guy, and he preached good, and he preached peace, and he preached love. And that, that to me, is more important than any policy, any statement that you could make, is just present yourself as a good person. And I feel like now... And you, you made a really great point. That's changed back. We've gone backwards in that people now see someone at the top who carries on the way that Donald does and they see that as it's okay. Mm. It's okay to be, oh, our president can say that we don't want Mexicans here and can ban these Muslims from coming into our country. So it must be okay. for Maybe it's okay for me to be racist. Mm. Maybe that's okay because that's just who I am. Um, and so it's really quite disappointing. I don't know what... What the next four, three years, I guess, of his term are going to bring. Um, you know, the other thing is that we've got someone who has his finger literally on the button. Like he seems to be. How does this make you feel? There seems to, he seems to be itching just for an excuse to push the nuclear does, button. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> if there's a button there, you're gonna want to press it, and especially when you're someone like him. He's like a kid it, in a candy store. Yeah, it's it's the scariest thing happening in the world at the moment is how close he is at seemingly at all times to pressing that button uh, it is terrifying yeah. it is absolutely terrifying um, but yeah like I said I don't know what the next three years are going to bring hopefully some form of positivity comes from this I don't, I don't. impeachment is what people impeachment. are probably still hoping for I don't know if there's <laughs> enough um, plausibility behind that movement to have him impeached but mm. yeah. yeah I don't know it's scary it's scary stuff however no doubt we will continue this conversation mm. down the track almost weekly I assume there'll be something to talk about about uh, old Trumpy uh, and I, I guess moving on to our next sort of big story staying on the same sort of theme um, and Donald was involved in this to an extent as well um, 
in August this year, or August 2017, I should say, we had the um, the Unite the Right rally, which, if you don't know, was, I guess, the, the riots in Charlottesville, um, Virginia, in the United States, which was a, just the most, almost more so than Trump being elected, the most mind-boggling thing to mm. me, that in 2017, we have Nazis, and we... And how is... I don't understand how this is a thing. We need to go back in time and wipe, <laughs> wipe them out properly. <laughs> I think you famously said, Jono, uh, the thing I love most about Nazis is you don't feel bad killing them. Um, which That was in a video game. Which <laughs> we were playing a video game, but still my favorite Jono yeah. quote. Yeah. Uh, this is a good one. This is a bizarre... This was just a crazy thing that just happened where, uh, to, to break it down, um, in Charlottesville, there was a statue of Robert E. Lee, who mm-hmm. was obviously the... Um, the leader of the Confederate Army back in the Civil War, uh, which was going to be removed from from the town square, I think it was in. And so a whole lot of crazy white people weren't a fan of that. Mm. And they decided to get together, literally get pitchforks and torches. Like we talk about the crazy mobs. Yeah. And I'll get your pitchforks and your torches. They were literally like the Frankenstein movie, Frankenstein's monster out in the thing with the, with the tiki torches, which is quite an ironic thing considering they've got this... Um, I guess this, uh, uh, where are they? Hawaiian or Polynesian? Yeah, Polynesian sort of um, (laughs) torch. It was quite funny. Uh, But yeah, and they they basically marched and protested and and shouted all kinds of terrible things. And Mm. um, obviously, there was clashes with with other protesters protesting them. um, And it became quite violent. And unfortunately, there was a casualty. Um, But I just, I just found this absolutely insane when this happened. The fact that in 2017, we had... Nazis, and we had people defending the Nazis. Hmm. It just made no sense to me. I mean, that's something I suppose that it's come up as a as a thing again. But it, they've never really gone away. Like, there's always no. been neo Nazis. There's always been gangs of them. Well, like this goes back to my point about people thinking that it, now that we've got someone at the top that yeah, preaches this kind of thing, it goes back to that is that people these guys yeah they've always been there. Like, it's not like they've just popped up, but yeah. now they feel. Like, hey, this is America. I, I, have, I have every right to be a Nazi if I want. Pretty much. And it, it's concerning that the people standing opposite them, the Antifa, are not, obviously motivated by different things, but almost equally disgraceful in their conduct and the way that they've behaved. Like, mm. extremism in anything I don't like. Like, I don't like it in religion i don't like it in politics i don't like it in sports <laughs> no offense jack um <laughs> like if you're so extreme that you can't see anything from anyone else's perspective uh it's it's and and the and your reaction to that is to be violent or to be um hateful to that person then you're missing the point of the kind of society that we live in and what makes it great, I think. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the people at these rallies, they get there and they might not even understand the principles of the group that they're standing with. They might be there um, because they're concerned about employment or immigration policies or taxes, but because they're in this group that's so versatile and, I guess, motivated by fear, I guess they latch on to the most extreme views of that group or the most extreme views of its leaders Mm. and they get caught up in this thing. Uh, And that's particularly talking about the far right, but the far left, the response of violence is just 
boggling. It, it, it shows you how similar they are, despite different views. When they act the same way, it doesn't do much for their cause, I think. No, absolutely not. And, and you can't... It's an interesting point you make. You can't really fight fire with fire, I guess, in that aspect. And I've been cheekily on the record saying that it's okay to punch a Nazi, <laughs> but I don't think... Violence is never really the answer. And and I've also made the point of saying before on record is that, um, like you said, extremism and extreme uh, solutions and reactions, if history has taught us anything, is that the extreme is never the right answer. The yeah. going to the full extent that you, that you can is never... There's always a good middle ground, I feel, like, yeah. when there's something good happening. And it's disappointing when there is a good movement. Like, I don't want to get too political in... Please do. That's what we're here for. <laughs> but you've got something like Black Lives Matter, right? Which is a great cause, you know, raising awareness and raising whatever it is for the cause of protecting the rights of black people not to be killed by police mm. yeah. <laughs> for no reason, which yeah. is great. But then you have people amongst that rally who go too far and they just decide we're going to kill some cops. Mm. And then you've got the leaders of Black Lives Matter having having to stand up and say, well, actually, that's... You know, we don't condone that. We're not part of that. But what happens is they get tarred with the same brush. And yeah. that movement suddenly, every far-right person is going to say, oh, Black Lives Matter is as bad as yeah, you know, exactly right. the Antifa or the, mm. uh, the Nazis or whatever. And yeah. it's like, well, you're kind of taking the actions of the extremists yeah. amongst a group that isn't about violence yeah. at all. No, exactly And that's right. really disappointing because we live in an unbalanced and unstable society where there will be people that latch on to an idea mm. that might be great, mm. but just go way too far. Yeah. And I just want to be clear though, as far as I'm concerned, all of the Nazis are bad. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's no good Nazi. No. I think I just want to, uh, I don't know. I know you feel the same way. Um, it's, it's the others. It's the other ones that, like you said, they do. They get the the bad deeds of the few spoil it for the many. And and really great or um, really, I guess, different ideas. Something like Black Lives Matter can be spoiled because of a couple of bad eggs. And that, to me, is a, like you said, a disappointing mm. thing. Is that this is a is a really important thing that's happening in the world at the moment. There's a, a high racial tension in the world. There's a lot of hate and anger towards each other. No one can talk to each other anymore. And we've got this we've got this situation where people are being killed by the law enforcement in America. And it seems to have... I, I haven't heard a story about it recently, but it seemed to happen sort of middle of the year. Obviously, we had the... Um, uh, in... Um, Baltimore, we had the mm. you know the Baltimore situation, um, you know, with the young boy being being shot by the police and the riots ensuring there, and that's sort of where the black and the um, the young man who was choked by the police officer, um, and then the two gentlemen, pretty much a day apart, who were shot and killed, who were unarmed, mm. who were not threatening. Um, I think that was twenty sixteen. It might have been, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, you're probably you're probably right. It was either yeah, it was late twenty sixteen, yeah. early this year. Um, it's been in the last sort of, yeah, it's been in the. In the stratosphere, I guess, yeah. um, for lack of a better term, uh, you'll learn that people. I, I, my vocabulary can be quite limited at times, so if I throw out a uh, a term that makes no sense, just roll with it. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's a, and and it is what it is. It is what it is. It most certainly is. And we've got these people being, like I said, pointed, painted with the same brush. Who 
who are spoiling it for the great people. It's people when people you're you're a religious man. Right? Yeah. You're very um you're Catholic, Christian. Uh yeah, not Catholic. You're Christian. Christian. You're a very yeah. Christian person. Love Jesus. Loves Jesus. <laughs> um and it's sort of like when people talk about Christianity and the church um, and Catholicism and all this and they they talk about you know shutting the whole thing down and um, you know because of the the, the the deeds of some to be fair quite evil people um, I don't want to go too deep into that kind of thing but obviously the stuff with the church is a, a royal commission happening at the moment to find out sort of mm. all the bad things that have been happening yeah, there and, and those people and, and people are talking about the church as this horrible entity that's just doing all these terrible things and look at all these horrible people in the church and this, that, and the other. But then I say, I, I know someone like you who's such a good person at heart and and stands for something and those people are ruining it for someone like you. So it, it happens in all different yeah. sort of um, ways, I guess. No doubt. And like, it's, it's, it's similar with, I guess, the, like the backlash against, you know, the, well, I guess the Muslim ban the travel ban it's like going back to that topic this was initiated because of some bad ex who were extreme and mm. did bad things and definitely o- over many years and and there is a lot of uh teaching in the quran that like the central religious text of islam that condones violence and there are a lot of muslims that don't agree with that mm. uh, and they're obviously because of the nature of humans there are people that are all about that and it's a challenge to i guess separate those people and try and make sure that i guess it doesn't get to a point where that is something that is tolerated in a society that western culture is Mm. is trying to continue its values yeah yeah um is, are we? Is this as bad as it's ever been? Which part? The world. Oh. <laughs> in I general. Know. I mean, there's, there's been some pretty dark moments. Obviously, we've had the world history. wars and that kind of thing. Um, so maybe not. Maybe that's a bit of a, an overreaction. But it, as far as I've been alive, it feels as bad as it's ever been. Yeah, I mean, if you, if, if you put it in context of the long history of genocide throughout, you know, the centuries... Mm. It's probably not as bad as that. No, I bad. don't know all about everything that's happened. That's our, in- I think that's our first hot take. <laughs> <laughs> what, that it's not the worst ever? No, that it's worse as it's ever been. Oh, yeah. I mean, it might be that we know every little thing that's happening. It's all being caught on cameras. We also- but, you know, it's, yeah. it's not a sudden thing for extremists and fundamentalists no, to start killing right. each other. Because no, you right. had Christians doing it in the Crusades. You had, you know... Uh, the Jews have been persecuted for thousands and thousands yeah. of years. Yeah, so, yeah. you know. I, um, it's funny, just, I've, I sort of jogged something in my memory just now, but I was thinking about it yesterday. I was driving in the car, I was listening to um, ABC News on the radio, and it's, they're talking about, you know, they're going through the news headlines or whatever. And um, the news story was, it was, it was something like, Oh, you know, extreme heat expected for, um, you know, tomorrow in Melbourne. It's going to be 42 degrees. Um, and uh, suicide bomber in Afghanistan has killed 13 people. Um, Islamic State have uh, claimed the attack. And in sport, and they just skipped over it yeah. like that. 
And what's well, uh, at least they mention it. Usually, it wouldn't even get a headline. Yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't. Like that would not get a, a that would not even get mentioned on Channel Ten, Channel Ten Channel News, 9, yeah. or Channel Nine, or Channel Seven, or any of them. It's SBS maybe. Um, the ABC might could could quite possibly. But the fact that if something like that had happened in Australia, in England, in America, yeah. in a Western country, it's a story of the year. It's exactly suicide bomber. How Ooh. horrifying! But it happens every day in the Middle East, and we're so. We just, the fact, that really, it hit me yesterday when they just brushed over it. I just sort of thought to myself, suicide bombers killed 12 people. And the fact, and, and that even from the the tone in which the, the reporter sort of conveyed that information was almost like, oh yeah, and uh, suicide bombers and just moved on. And it was like, it was nothing. It's like, that was, that to me is, is as scary as mm. anything, is that we, our, our complete desensitization to something like that, to happening in that sect of the world, yeah. we almost don't even care as a society as a whole. Well, if, if it's happening every week is the other thing, it doesn't, it ceases to be news in some ways, mm. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. when I was uh, studying journalism, there, we, we went over the kind of, I guess, the laws of, of what made... A, a new story, a new story. Mm. And a lot of it was location. Where did this happen? How does it affect me? You know, and that doesn't affect us because we're over here and it happens so often, so frequently that it's not a different thing. You know, Mm. if, if, if it was, uh, you know, as you said, happening over here, it doesn't happen here. It might happen once a year. It might happen once every five years. And that would be a huge story. Mm. But if a bus gets blown up in Baghdad or somewhere, then it's like, huh, that happened again. Okay. And it's, it sucks because it for people that live there, even for them, I think it is commonplace yeah. and something that happens all too often for it to be a huge, huge story. It's like the saddest thing in the world. It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, dear. It's... um. I mean, technology, we, we love advancing technology, but for every advance in technology, there's an evil way to use it, Most unfortunately. Definitely. Most definitely. From printing press right up to the, the nuke. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Okay. Let's, uh, let's keep carrying this show along. We haven't got any good news stories, do we? <laughs> look, this, this next one, I feel, has a positive spin. Okay. I feel like this one is, this is, obviously this is a terrible thing that's been <laughs> happening, but it is bringing about a positive change, I believe. So I think it's, um, it's one of those, every action has an equal and opposing reaction. Something really bad has had a, a really, I guess, positive and somewhat um, effect on, on society. So and that is, that is obviously the, the, uh, the fall from grace of many a Hollywood star this mm. year and being outed for being for lack of a better word, scum, um, sexual assault, abuse, rape, all these terrible things that these people have been doing. Very prominent people. Mm. Um, I'm just going to go through a quick list here for the people. So basically, this all started with Harvey Weinstein. Was the, I guess, the first one. It started the... Who, who as um, I've become more aware of, I'd heard the name Weinstein. I knew about Miramax and the Weinstein Company and, and that kind of thing. But I wasn't sort of... I was like, oh, he's a Hollywood dude. Whatever. What does that even mean? He gives people money. They make movies great. Um, but he's uh, sort of coming to know now and more coming to light is that he's been obviously quite a, one of the most, one of the more influential people in film over the last couple of decades. Um, 
and quite a powerful rich man and which is sort of why this um this has not happened before uh, i guess none, none of this had come out because people have been too scared um to sort of come out against this but uh basically he was he was outed i think it was Alyssa milano started the was it i, I, I can't I, I don't remember exactly how but i know like people like yeah. dozens of women come out and, and spoke out against harvey weinstein um yeah there's been too many to trace many. back there yeah um I Gwyneth Paltrow yeah. among some of the the more sort of prominent ones um but back- Sel- Selma Hayek wrote a great article about rejecting his advances mm. and what he the way that he tried to ruin her career which I recommend reading if you're interested I in I might that. check that out I might check that out but uh I'm gonna go through some of the names of some of the people who have been uh who've been out I guess outed we could say this year as as terrible people mm. um Nick Carter out of really? Backstreet Boys. <laughs> yep. Louis C.K., which was another, mm. which was a big one for a lot of people. Yeah. I, I'm not a big Louis C.K. fan, but that was a big one that came out that sort of people, were, a lot of people were really disappointed with. Because as celebrities, we look up, a lot, oftentimes we, we idolize these people, we look up to them, we want them to be our heroes. Like we, we idolize them, and then when they, you find out they're terrible people, it can create a bit of uh, heartache for some, for people, most definitely. Um, Richard Dreyfus um, was, uh, he denies his allegations though. Um, to be fair, we should and, say this is all alleged. Yeah, this is all alleged. I don't believe um, any of these people have been taken to court or anything like that yet. So th- these are the people who have been accused, I guess we should say. Uh, Dustin Hoffman, another one who's been um, accused. He apologised for his behaviour. Jeremy Piven, Brett Ratner, um, which is a, a mm. sort of a really big one, which has had some some quite far-reaching um, implications as far as movies that are currently in the works. Steven Seagal as like one of the more terrible shocking shocking <laughs> you wouldn't have thought a guy like that <laughs> that was sarcasm yes yeah, that's good um tom sizemore yeah another one obviously we spoke about harvey harvey weinstein and um, george takai which this one was the one that sort of shocked me the most what did they say about him I mean, I that, he, that he sexually assaulted um a young a, a boy sort of years ago which i found is completely I was like, whoa, because he's been a really big advocate for equality and mm. and against these sorts of things happening. So I was like, whoa, George, what have you done? But again, this is all alleged. This is all accusations and and um, and all that. Um, creator of Mad Men, Matthew Weiner or Weiner, I'm not sure exactly how you say it. Um, a heap of politicians. I'm not going to go through them all, but a heap of politicians have been um, among them. George W. Bush, um, Donald you know, Trump, Donald Trump, obviously <laughs> another massive one, um, and then. Uh, Max Landis just recently has been accused, I guess, sort of half accused. He hasn't sort of, no one will come out and say exactly what he's done or any, it's all sort of, the Max Landis one I find really interesting because mm. that one is is a, is one where everyone says it like, this guy's, everyone knows about this guy being terrible for years. Um, it's because he's got a really uh, influential, fa- powerful father. Yeah. Um, which I find... Very interesting in a way that John Landis has so much pull in Hollywood, considering he hasn't done anything for ever. Um, you know, obviously he's famous for the Blues Brothers and Animal House and uh, American Werewolf in London. That that was his sure. one of those ones. Um, but he hasn't. He's he's not like he's he's in the you know mm. the. Um, He's not pumping out blockbusters. No, exactly right. So I find it really interesting that he's got so much pull, and people talk about um, Max Landis like this protected. Yeah, um, from, so. from everything we've seen, like there's a lot of accounts of Max being a bit sleazy or, or a bit like a bit of a terrible dude, a bad like 
friend or a bit slit yeah a bit of a scumbag towards a lot of women yeah. which is a lot of em- totally it's not cool a lot of emotional abuse as well has yeah. probably been the other big one with Max yeah and that's not to be disregarded it's, it's definitely disappointing mm. from someone like that and uh, I am very eagerly awaiting his response because yeah. he's been quiet for his about silent, a his silence is deafening um, yeah. I just want to mention obviously Kevin Spacey was the last one I was going to mention which is the, the massive one probably the biggest in terms of yeah. the the comparison to his public persona yeah most definitely and like his beloved um yeah career i guess mm. he's been so he's had probably apart from maybe dustin hoffman he's had maybe the most impressive career of the actors you mentioned yeah most definitely steven seagal with Danny. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yeah like he everyone and, loved everyone and loves kevin spacey good. yeah everyone loved everyone loved and he's kevin hilarious when, whenever he's done comedy he's been hilarious and when he's done drama he's been yeah in, incredibly captivating so it's that Interesting to see what the... Like, is this something where in a year it will be, oh, we've forgiven them? Because, you know, I think, I think I do think people deserve forgiveness when they're remorseful and when they've shown that they can change. But at the same time, there are people who just never bounce back. And, you know, you look at Mel Gibson, there'll be some people that never forgive Mel Gibson. And then, but he's bounced back. And then, yeah, he... I don't know how many years it was between the anti-Semitic rants and Daddy's Home 3. <laughs> it was, or whatever it was, it was at least a decade. Yeah, but, you know... And a lot of people still don't forgive him for that. And I'm sure they won't go to mm. Daddy's Home 2 and 3 or whatever it is. God. <laughs> don't go to Daddy's Home 2 stuff. But, um, yeah. If maybe if Lethal Weapon 5 gets announced, mm. they, the nostalgia kicks in and they... They find the forgiveness. Like, I think that's the way, and it happens for athletes. Mike Tyson walks around as a hero. Michael Vick, Michael Vick, and and the rest. Many, like, you know, Gary even, Ablett. Gary Ablett Senior. People still revere him as they still call him God. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's an icon, and he he was involved in a terrible thing that happened to a young lady. Yeah, Wayne um, Carey's on Wayne TV Carey. All the people time. forget. Yeah, I feel like sports stars get a uh, for somehow get a, a more of a um, I guess a yeah they get let off easier and I think it's going to depend on the context like some of these people they might say well George Takai that was 30 years ago you know it, it, I regret it. it I learnt a lot from it shortly after and that influenced how I would have acted yeah, towards people for the rest of my I've life yep. and it's just that it's come out now but yep. you know um, I guess we'll find out I feel like and I feel like it shouldn't they shouldn't be forgiven because they've done a terrible thing unless they I mean, everyone loves a redemption story, right? And pe- people really need to repent. They they can't just go not, into the yeah, shit. The way I see you it, you can't give out, one of those fake PR apologies. Yeah, exactly. Well, like Kevin Spacey's will go down as probably one of the greatest of all time, and that he's he's come out and said, "I don't actually," because the, the young um, the young man, the actor who whose name escapes me, um, obviously came out with the accusations that he he had had made advances on him, and then. Um, etc and so on as far as that when he was 14 years old mm. um, and then the, the slew of oh, oh Kevin Spacey likes little boys or oh, that's the, the worst kept secret in Hollywood etc and so on kind of commentary came out and then he came out and made the statement about um, I don't remember the incident and I'm gay like <laughs> we're going to be like what? <laughs> what, is that, what does that even mean? Um, which was just a, a terrible thing but do you know what I think there will be like I don't think there's a you know, there, there could be like, I'd, but like Mel Gibson, he said terrible things, right? He, he, what he did was terrible, irreprehensible, but he didn't, there's a scale, right? He didn't. And then we, we did an episode of pleasure explosion about this on the explosion network where we talked about this specific situation and whether or not 
um, you can separate the, the the art from the artist if they've done terrible things. And, and I, I, my stance on this kind of thing is it depends on the crime. Like the crime has to, like if it's punishment has to fit the crime. Mel Gibson said some terrible shit. He's come out and apologized for it. He's for for the last decade not done a thing. Stay quiet. Seems to have be sorry in some aspect. I'm like, okay, I can watch a Mel Gibson movie again. The Lost Prophets? I can't listen to The Lost Prophets anymore. That that shit, nah, yeah. no fucking way. Like that that what happened? I'm not going to go into it. The guy, the lead singer, is a fucking monster. Don't go and Google it if you want. The Lost Prophets, it's horrible stuff. So I can't listen to them anymore. I can watch Tarantino films that Weinstein was involved in because he wasn't really involved in them. I watched Baby Driver later in the year after this all happened, and it was. With Spacey on screen, I was like, oh, it's kind of awkward. He's kind of a little bit creepy in this as well. It sort of makes sense, but <laughs> I just sort of, I just rolled with it. Um, but I feel like what will happen with a lot of these people is that they will go quiet. Max Landis included, whose silence is deafening, I might say. But he's quite an interest, like he's not interesting. Well, he's interesting, but he's he's quite a, a differently minded individual in that he, I imagine that he's, probably sitting he's in a k-hole somewhere as far as um what's a k-hole he's, uh, he's he's on a he's taking a lot of drugs and he's oh, okay yeah. <laughs> um not down with the lingo yeah no that's all right um and uh and yeah so i think um uh what's going to happen with a lot of these people is they'll go quiet louis ck's and yeah you know, your le- lesser spotlighted, your Brett Ratners and your Max Landis's and these people who Stephen have been... Stephen Seagal. Stephen Seagal, maybe. He'll bounce so back. Much. Yeah, he'll be, be- he'll be back. Um, and they'll go quiet yeah. for a year, two years, three years, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, it'll be a Louis C.K.'s guesting on this episode or whatever. Mm. And then he's in this movie and then he's back doing the comedy thing. And, uh, and people will forget. Yeah. People will forget. Because that's what we do as a society. We move on to the next thing. You know, there's a mass, there's a shooting massacre in the states. Cool. Two days later, it's on fucking Kevin Spacey's banging boys. Mm. Sweet. What's yeah. the next story after that? Um, we're not interested in hearing the same thing over and over That's again. Right. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's it's confirmed for me is that a lot of people in Hollywood just are scumbags. Yeah. And I've kind of just always kind of felt like that's the case, and yeah. I feel like it's not can sh- confirm. It, it's apparently. like not shocking to find like the the Weinstein stuff. Not shocking to me. Kevin Spacey, that that's a bit different mm. because it, it involves, you know, underage boys, disgusting yeah. acts. Um, but that, yeah, a Hollywood person using their power to, um, you know, hit on women and get favors and you know influence their career in exchange for whatever. Like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. And that kind of thing. Like, I just feel like it's all a ma- only a matter of time for most Hollywood types to have a story like this come out. I mean, mm. that's that's very general. That's very generalizing. But, like, n- uh, there's not a lot of people that I would be completely 100% shocked to find out. Because power and money corrupts people. It's just yeah. a, a basic thing. And yep. you have to be... It's human a, nature, isn't you it? You have to be just a really down-to-earth, switched-on person. Of, often people who find fame later in life especially like you know people like Brian Cranston and Ricky Gervais like they weren't famous until they were like 35 or 40 years old yeah, exactly. and it means that they have a different perspective on fame and yep. what it means and how you treat people and I, f- I find that you know power corrupts and, and that's just yep. almost almost unavoidable in, in a lot of cases what's the saying absolute power corrupts absolute absolutely 
That sounds about right. Something like that. Uh, email us at hello <laughs> at 8bit.net and tell us what we've buggered up. Uh, <laughs> moving on <laughs> to the next story. Um, very quickly, just want to touch on this one because it's been done to death. Mm. But I figured um, as this is a, uh, a generally nerdy influenced uh, channel that we should at least touch on probably yeah. one of the, the biggest stories in gaming of the year, which was the whole loot box fiasco. Hmm. Started... Um, I mean, loot boxes and microtransactions have been a, a thing that's been around for yonks. Um, and I don't want to go into the specifics of what happened because everyone's done it to death, but I'll give you a quick rundown. Is that There was a bit of a uh, hullabaloo, if you will, on the scuttlebutt on uh, when uh, Shadow of War came out. There was a lot of talk mm-hmm. that this was a pay-to-win game, is that unless you sp- spent in-game... Like, your, your actual currency on in-game items that you could not progress the story in a, um, I guess, a quick enough pace that didn't make it an, an, an um, ungodly grind as some yep. have, uh, have described it um, and then there was a few other things that, that came out a couple of games uh, Destiny had some issues with microtransactions and things like that that people were upset about funnily enough but the big one I guess Star was, Wars, yeah. was Star Wars Battlefront Star Wars being a beloved franchise by the majority of people in the nerd spectrum uh, this game coming out um, you know which would be followed quite closely by the um, the release of the last Jedi movie um, the game basically came out and was uh, had all of the I guess the something like something ridiculous like if you didn't when it was first released if you didn't spend any money it would take you something like 2,000 hours of in-game play to unlock all of the the unplay like the unlockable characters mm. and content and that kind of thing um, and people got upset and they're upset during the beta it was released the same as it was in the beta people were even more upset and then uh, they changed a couple of things. So Darth Vader, I think, was the big one. People were like, oh, you know, you have to spend um, X amount of in-game currency to get Darth Vader, but, you, you know, you, you earn it at this rate, so it's going to take, you know, 100 hours to get Darth Vader. And like, okay, cool. We'll cut the um, the amount that uh, it costs to get Vader, but then they actually cut the amount the same by the same percentage that you earn currency in the game. Right. So they basically didn't change anything. Um, Disney got involved, and um, basically from there... No more microtransactions in Battlefront for the time being. It seems um, yeah, uh, Disney were not too happy with the negative press that Star Wars was receiving, which is not great. Obviously, in the lead up to a, the release of a new movie, they want complete positivity on this game. Um, EA seems to have completely blundered this up from from the get go. As far as Star, their Star Wars. I mean, they've not put out mm. they've not put out a Star Wars game yet that's received positive reception obviously the first battlefront came out it was a half-baked looked great sounded great very shallow as far as content no single player or anything like that they've had obviously the the um the release of battlefront 2 which has been marred by this microtransaction um scuttlebutt as i said uh the obviously the closing of visceral the the amy hennig um star wars game that was in production there they've they basically buggered it up so that that's i guess the the nutshell situation as far as the microtransactions mm. and that kind of thing go but i want to ask you the question jono and this is something that i've thought for quite a while is that video games are too cheap hmm. and developers are not making enough money from selling them at that 60 dollar or in australia 80 90 dollar price point and I, I feel yeah. I, f- I feel like and I'll, and it's not so much the about the microtransactions as well, but that's obviously a way that they're going to make the, the developers are looking for ways to make more money without jacking up the price of the game because there'll be a I think a equally outraged amount of people if all of a sudden the sixty dollar price point for a game is seventy five um, or seventy or whatever it might be, and I think it's the same with games constantly being delayed. 
And the issue is that the cost to build a game, to create a game, the production costs, the staff costs, everything, is always seems to be increasing. The technology is always getting better. They're having to bring on more people to, to meet the demand, to build a more beautiful game, to render that texture, to do that concept art. It's quite an expensive thing to build a game. It's becoming more and more and more expensive but they're not getting any more money than they yeah. used to. In fact, they're making less money because with inflation, the $60 price point has stayed the same for probably, well, since the PS3 released, really. That that sort of American price point of $60 has been the... I feel like they're cheaper. Well, they're cheaper now. As, yeah. as far as inflation goes, they're cheaper now. Yeah. Well, even without inflation, I remember paying 100 bucks, 110 bucks for Metal Gear Solid 4 yeah. in 2008. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah, well, and yeah. now I would rarely pay more than $80 mm. for a new game, mm. if not less. True. They- we have the price matching now yeah, that's um, right. As well as JB and, and that having skin in the game and mm. undercutting EB in Australia. Yeah. I'm talking more sort of about the, the $60 price point with the American yeah, sure. market. Um, I feel that games are too cheap as far as what the developers and the publishers need. And if, unless something changes there, this trend of microtransactions and um, an invasive um, game design is going to get worse and worse and worse. Because there's... The cost, like I said, the cost of making a game is only getting more and more expensive by the year, but the return that they're getting is not. There's only so many gamers out there, and unless you're making a FIFA or a Madden or a game that's guaranteed to sell or mm. COD or something like that, you need. They need to find ways to insert these things in there. But do you not feel? I mean, it'd be good to have some numbers on this, and I would actually be really interested in like a Jason Schreier type expose on the finances and budgets and sales revenue of games and compare it and comparing it back to mm. what it has been over the years because yeah. I feel like there are more people playing games now and I think that the audience is wider so people can it might be more expensive to make a game but selling them even for the same price as they used to be selling more of them might mean that it kind of balances out balances. and I feel, I feel like that is why there are still a lot of single player games without microtransactions that continue to be made like they're not going to be making those games if they're not making a profit like, yeah especially you know you look at i mean my i don't play a lot of online games so my top 10 for the last year they were i think all single player campaigns without any microtransactions and i think that having them having those games come out and still do really well your neo automatas and your hellblades and your um wolfensteins like that mm. kind of thing the south park horizon I think that the idea of just being able to sell a game to a wider audience on multiple platforms as well mm-hmm. in, in some instances kind of makes up for that. And I, I wish I did have the, the knowledge of, the of, of how the numbers compare. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I think it, it, it might just be a crutch to lean on to say that we have to put microtransactions in because we're not making as much money. Well, there are you see a game like Hellblade that's made by 20 people and mm. you think well it's possible to do this with a smaller yeah, budget and game. you know something like No Man's Sky which for all its problems it's a huge game and it's a it looks it's a great looking game I think and there are ways to be inventive and clever to make a game that don't involve taking three four or five years and mm two three hundred people to work on it and oh well because of that we have to throw in these microtransactions mm. that are vital to your enjoyment mm. i have no problem with uh, assassin's creed having all these outfits that you can buy or you know upgrade 
like spend extra to upgrade because you want to finish it quicker like that's fine but when it impedes on your progression through the game that is an issue i think mm, yeah and and the, the backlash like the backlash to that will be factored in i think that uh it'll bounce back and i think that where we're at at the moment isn't a huge problem i just think that because it's it seems like a really huge step forward in that area especially with the randomized loot boxes or the, whatever like they're called yeah. where you don't know what you're getting and you pay for it it's like gambling yeah i think that will die because yeah, the definitely. backlash to it is too great yeah plus the, it'll get to the point where there'll be regular like in china already they have to um i think they might have even banned it but the, in, there's one country that's banned loot boxes and there's another country that has put the um the odds the, i think japan think- has like you know, yeah, you, you have, have a the, one in sixty chance of getting what you want. Yeah, exactly, yeah, right. or whatever yeah. it is. So, um, but yeah, look, I, I, I for one, I'm happy. I would be happy for the price point for a video game to to jump up ten bucks for that. For it to be, you know, okay, it's not sixty anymore. It's it's and it's it's different in Australia because our price points for games are so inconsistent. Like yeah. some games come out and they're the eighty dollars at JB Hi-Fi and they're a hundred dollars at, at EB Games and they're seventy five at Target. All the retailers undercut each other here. In America, it's a little bit more standardized. It's everyone has the sixty dollar price point. And I feel and and to be fair, that's the biggest market for video games is the, the American market. So I feel like I, I would be happy for that to if if putting ten dollars extra into a video game for something that for a medium that we love you know if you're getting a really good entertainment out of it i'd be happy to pay the extra ten dollars if that meant studios had more resources to get games out in a more timely manner and not having five year cycles and constantly having to do delays and stuff like that because i have no doubt that the price point of a game has an impact on on bigger games being delayed constantly i feel like if there was more money going in they'd have more resources they'd be able to put more people on um they'd be able to get the games out in a timely manner and if it meant we didn't have intrusive things like loot crates and, and microtransactions if if mm. if they could if because I think then it, it would be if they went alright the whole industry went $10 that's it we're up the price is now $70 for a game that there's no way in hell that these that EA and these publishers would be able to justify after just putting up game prices of $10 they'd be able to justify putting it in there there's no way I think they would though do you think? I think that they make way more from microtransactions than they would have by increasing by ten dollars, possibly. I'd and, like to see the think, stat on that. I think that they'll just find another way mm. to add content or another way to add incentives that they'll ask for that money anyway. Yeah. Especially in a style of game where it is competitive and there are ways to to get ahead. Like I, I play a lot of NBA Two K, and this year was the first year that they've gone nuts with microtransactions, and it did take something away from the game for me because it it did feel like they asked you to invest a a lot more time into it and the people that are really serious about that game would drop 80 bucks on day one like my brother to upgrade their character to a point where they could actually have fun mm. um, instead of spending the 20 hours plus to do that so yeah. you know no, that's it, fair. it is what it is it is what it is uh, moving on to our next or our last topic um, Jono mm. our last news story that's me. That's you. You're Jono. Twitter increased from 140 to 280 characters this year. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not, that's not really my topic. Uh, which, uh, to be fair, I actually quite enjoy that. Yeah, I have to say, I was very against it at the time, but I don't know if I could go back. Get those top 10 lists into your tweets. Yeah, now. I can like plug the crap out of my podcast now with links and hashtags and not have to worry about it. It's great. But uh, yeah, no, my topic is actually the backlash against online personalities that we've seen this year because 
we've it's been particularly notable in the gaming community. We've seen PewDiePie getting dragging through the mud through a multitude of things that he's done, especially dropping the N word in a game of PUBG. What a goose! Yeah, uh, and being dropped as a sponsor, uh, Disney dropped their sponsorship of him over that, and yeah, then rightfully so, I think. Yeah, John Tron. I'm not really that aware of what he does but i know he's a gaming personality too and he got booted from the ukulele i guess it was the switch version unless it happened early enough in the year that they could remove him from all versions they put patches yeah, I think, yeah I think that's what it was yeah um but yeah he, he was going to voice a character and was pulled because of that yeah uh, i guess it was uh, that's why uh, the game didn't sell yeah they were I, I guess, Tron. I, guess it, I, well, I should say what he did i think it was um some anti was it anti-Muslim or anti... Um, You've read the article. Recently. Yeah, so basically he, he'd made some um, statements about, um, I guess, pro... There was a, uh, a congressman who'd made some racial comments and he sort of um, had said things in, I guess, support of someone like that and those types of ideals. Mm. And then um, during a Twitch stream, he basically doubled down on it and said some ridiculous sort of um, very racially driven statements that were um, against Mexicans, against black people, um, Muslims and, and, and the like. So it was um, uh, from that, that was sort of what the, um, the backlash came from was mm. that, that Twitch stream was really the one that pushed it over the edge for John. Yeah. And then even our guy, Colin M, Colin Mariotti, mm. formerly kind of funny, now Colin's last stand, but the, I guess the event that led to that uh split and the new company for colin was the famous tweet the you know a day without a woman hashtag peace and quiet or something yeah peace and quiet like Uh, peace and quiet a day without a a fairly mild bad joke that some people possibly overreacted to but you can i can understand both sides as to why they would find that Mm. to be problematic in in the position they're in when when you when you are in a position in an industry that's so focused on equality and I guess making opportunities for women and yeah. all this kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I can see why some people didn't like it, but at the same time, just a bad joke, not yeah. a bad person, I think, not a um, sexist, just a bad joke. Yeah. And you have to consider people's in- intentions a lot of the time when yeah. you see these jokes, but it was, it, the fallout from it was unbelievable. Really? Like it was, I think, um, just in relation to the joke, I think Brian Altano from IGN, yeah. um, in relation to the the joke itself, put it best recently, is that the biggest crime the, of that joke was that it just wasn't funny. It was just not a funny joke. It was like, yeah, come on, man. But you're, you're, you're a lot clever, more clever than that. Um, yeah. I, I, I was going to touch on this a little bit earlier when we were talking about Trump and that. And there's no, There doesn't seem to be any middle ground anymore in the world. Is that everyone's either on one end of the extreme as far as either you're an idiot, you're a snowflake, you're softies, um, the joke was just a joke, move on, or um, you racist, bigot, sexist pig, you should burn at the stake. There doesn't seem to be anyone in the middle going, it just wasn't that funny. He wasn't like, it was just, it just wasn't a funny joke. That's literally all the problem was. And so... Yeah, there's um, no ill will. No, exactly right. It's not like he was coming out and saying something like, Oh, you know, women are whatever should be like, you know, should shut up. And yeah. Or yeah. they should be in the kitchen or something like that. I just, I found the, the whole thing completely. Um, but that's the, that's my point earlier about, you know, I think the, the rise of political correctness has had, 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 had a positive influence <laughs> on the world in the past few years. But I feel like now there's this, there's this extreme extremist person. I really do believe Trump is an extremist at the top and that people feel like, 
on that side of being more um, aware, self-aware and um, considerate to others have taken it to the extreme of having to, you know, take down people. Yeah. Rather than just being like, hey man, let's just have a conversation about that. That's not cool. What you just said, I don't really agree with what you said. Let's have a conversation about why I think you can't use that kind of word or you can't make that joke. It's not funny. It's offensive to these people and this Mm. is why. And that there's no discourse anymore. It's a complete and utter just attack. Um, That's right. It's it's that extremist thing we were talking about with Charlottesville. Yeah. That... It doesn't help to be no an extremist. It definitely doesn't. And this is this is the issue: is that no, there's no positivity that comes out of stuff like that. And people will be dealt with in the right ways. John Tryon was dealt with in the right way. You know what? You sacked. Mm. You wanted. You were with us. You, we were paying you. You're out. You did a stupid thing. You're gone. And PewDiePie saying that using the N word in a way in a way that he did was the most disgraceful thing. One of the most disgraceful things you could do is the way that he used it in a term that, to me, showed what kind of person PewDiePie is. Because something like that, the way that he said it in that stream means that he uses that term. Like, you don't just accidentally say it the way that he said it. No. Like, I've accidentally said it before when I'm singing a song. Like, I've been streaming before and I was singing um, Vato by Snoop Dogg and I, and I accidentally said the N-word. I'm like, I was singing a song, but I probably shouldn't have done that on stream. Like, I'll, I'll stop myself from continuing on with the chorus. And, but, you know, that stuff like that. But he said it in a way that you could have been like, oh, that dickhead. But he used the N-word instead. And that means it's part of his vernacular. And that shows what kind of guy he is. But he was dealt with in the right way in the Disney. Catch you later, bro. You're gone. But Colin, I felt that that sort of... That was in the the torches and pitchforks sort of... Um, yeah, it was people waiting for, for a chance to jump on him. Yeah. Because, because he is an outspoken right-wing... Yep. Well, he conservative, I guess. Uh, at the time, he was... Oh, no, he, he's thrown away his, uh, his Republican membership yeah. because yeah. of Trump. But, yeah, he comes from that side. And that's a very, very, very small mi- minority mm-hmm. in the games industry, especially in San Francisco, where he was at the time. Uh, but the thing that I wanted to talk about was how our online personalities now are held to the same standard as pretty much any celebrity. And I think that it's almost worse because there's so much interaction with their community. There's so much engagement. Um, If let's pick someone at random, uh, if Matt Damon says something potentially offensive, if he says uh, peace and quiet, a day without a woman, uh, he's probably not even going to see the backlash. No. So people aren't necessarily going to deliver it in the same way. Yeah. Um, there's not an avenue to get him to interact with you unless there's someone that's very uh, interactive like and engaged or something like that well, engaged in the yeah if there's media. someone that's yeah. like always responding to tweets and that kind of yeah. thing it's a bit different but I feel like the online community when you're a content creator when you've got a Patreon you have to be yeah um, constantly communicating with your community well, well that's it and that, I think that's the reason why is that these online personalities they re- they rely so much on their audiences and being uh, you know, in touch with their audiences and not just, you know, and the whole best friends moniker of, you know, the kind of funny, you know, specifically is that they rely, like they don't have, like that, they're, 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 a lot of their cash flow comes from their fans and the people who give them the Patreon money and the, the, sub, the subscriptions and that kind of thing. And so they do rely on them and they have a personable relationship with them and you relate to them and you talk to them and you tweet at them and they respond mm. and you see them in a meet and greet where you don't go, there's no... Um, downsizing meet and greet where you can go and hang out with Matt Damon yeah. you know what I mean there's no um, Dark Tower meet and greet when you go hang out with Matthew McConaughey like that stuff's just not happening and people don't that people can't rel- people don't relate to, to celebrities of that level yeah. because they can't 
because they're on a different level. They're up, they're, they're mega stars, but they relate so closely with people like Colin and Greg and John Tron and PewDiePie because they're just dudes who got in front of a camera, who turn on a microphone, who play video games, and mm. people know who they are because of that. And they and people people connect with them on that level because hey, you're just like me. Yeah. And they get upset when, I mean, people get upset for a modicum of reasons, but. One reason they get upset is because they they feel like they've been let down. And a lot of people felt like they were let down by Colin. I was... I was... I was like, eh. I was like, this is another... I'll, I'll close down, you know, Facebook and Twitter for a day and this will all blow over. And unfortunately, it didn't. There was a few sort of um, following sort of, you know responses and stuff from people and it became a bit of a slinging match and it sort of it rolled out of control mm. where it, it could have just been the tweet and that was it but I think the back and forth between the, the, the Twitter community sort of um, let that one snowball yeah but this story for me is kind of like a signifier that the wild west of YouTube and Twitter and just being a online personality it's kind of there's a standard now that people expect from people regardless of whether you are, you know, a Hollywood star, an athlete, or a YouTuber. And now there's just as much, if not more, scrutiny on these people because it's become such a huge platform yeah. with so much potential to influence yeah, and to uh, engage with people. And, you know, just look at the crap that's happened this year with Logan Paul. Oh, I mean... I'm sure we'll talk about this full at yeah. a later date. What a goose. What an absolute goose. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I think the 2017 kind of represents that. And I'm, I'm sure it happened more. I'm, I'm Not more. I'm sure it happened in 2016 to a lesser degree, perhaps. But I definitely feel like that was one of the, When you asked me what's a big story of the year, that was one that I thought of. Because mm. I think from now on, a lot of people, whether they're the same people we've mentioned or just people in the same community or sphere or the same level, are striving to be a, a YouTuber or, a, you know an influencer or whatever it is, they're going to have to think about these things. They're going to have to think, wait a second, I can't get away with mm. saying whatever the hell I want like I could when I had 200 subscribers or yeah, exactly. when I'm just sitting around with my friends. Like you are under the spotlight and you'll be held accountable and it will make or break you in a mm. lot of instances. And you know, break, I don't know if it does break them because for every stupid thing people do, there's people going to defend it because there's a lot of other stupid people. But- <laughs> We've seen that with Logan Paul, but oh, God. it's, uh, yeah, well, well, we'll find out probably a lot more about that throughout this year. No it's only a, like a weekend and we've had this mm. huge thing happen already. What a goose, what a goose. And yeah, no doubt, no doubt, but yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, they were not necessarily the all of the biggest stories of the year, but I guess those were the ones that we felt were most um, poignant for what we sort of wanted to talk about and I guess have, uh, had the most impact on us. Mm. Um... Thank you so much for joining us. This has been the first ever episode of It Is What It Is. This will continue as a weekly podcast, uh, 8bit.net, for all of your nerdy content. You can head over there. Uh, Like I said earlier, there will be a rotating cast on this show joining me. But uh, thank you so much, Jono. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. For joining me on the first ever episode. If we've buggered up any... Uh, stats or figures or facts um, if you'd like to correct us please email us uh, you can also follow us all on Twitter I am at cruzy underscore mate Jono is at Jono himself and 8bit is at we are 8bit on all of the socials you can pretty much find me everywhere at cruzy underscore mate like I said this has been a product of 8bit.net uh, we also do the Hungry Gamers podcast putting in work with Jono Peck has also moved over to 
the 8-Bit Nation. Um, so please check out all of our content. There's going to be a heap more dropping through the month of January. So please do make sure you check that out. Well, I haven't really thought about how to sign this show off, Jono. I guess it is what it is. It sure is. <laughs> <laughs>